How you doing, everybody? This is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the Data Lab here on For Frequency's Sake. This is where all the data gets broken down so you can be a smarter fantasy football player. And we're going to make you a fantasy football all-star by next season. That is our promise to you. And joining me as he does each and every week, he is the professor. It's John Bush. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dennis. It was uh, quite uh, quite a week, needless to say. Very uh, surprised at everything that went down. Uh, you know, hopeful, uh, good karma sent to the Buffalo Bills player. I uh, hope everything works out. Uh, so I don't know if we were going to get philosophical here, but uh, I was disappointed in the uh, the league in the fact that they apparently did not have any contingency plans for when a player basically drops dead and you have to bring him back to life on the field other than take five minutes and let's play again. And it is beyond me as a biologist, uh, and not even talking the psychological, just the biology side of it, to uh, not have contingencies for uh, this. And it shouldn't have been any kind of calling up New York. It's very simple, Dennis. Uh, if you have to use CPR or the paddles to bring a player back to life, uh, the game should stop at that point, and, you know, that's it. There's no calling Roger Goodell or anything. That's just a simple rule. And, in fact, I think they should have that. Uh, everybody should understand that. Uh, uh, and uh, if a, a coach, uh, the staff – the mascots, the side reporters, referees, anybody that's on the field for sure has an issue where they're doing CPR, where they're flying a helicopter in medlife. The game should be done and, you know, however they want to solve it later, but they shouldn't play. And that's as simple as I can make it. Something happens to any of the players or staff or co- in halftime, same thing. And the only issue that the league should consider is what do you do about fans that may have issues? You know, do does that count? In other words, if somebody fell off a railing and obviously had an issue, I mean, is there, you know, is that okay? I mean, I don't think it's okay, but, you know, where who's – Who's uh, what does the league think about uh, uh, you know say a, a a terroristic issue that happened in the stand or an earthquake or something? I was just uh, astounded at the lack of uh, a plan. And they if now's the time NFL uh, get the doctors get whoever, but you know when you're pulling out paddles and uh, CPR, things are not good, and the game should not continue. Yeah, it had been since 1972 yeah. since a player went down on the field like that and needed to be resuscitated. And that 
player they did not successfully resuscitate. Yeah, that's right. It was a uh, Detroit Lion. Was Correct. that Chuck Hughes? Yeah, from the Detroit yeah. Lions. There was no contact whatsoever. Uh, when they did the autopsy, they determined that he had seventy-five percent heart blockage, even though he was just in his upper twenties. So yeah, that's uh, really- that's uh, there's something called hypercholesteremia. Yeah, where people have abnormal kind of a genetic, where they have too much uh, cholesterol and it's bad and it's a genetic thing. And hopefully, uh, with modern screening now coming, that these things will be found early on. And I think as we go in, you know, our grandkids they'll know, you know, right at birth when they do the gene chips and everything, they'll know if you've got that tendency and whatnot and can monitor any kind of athletic, but that was back in the seventies. But uh, did they have to try to do CPR and, and yeah, they did. And they got him off the field. He actually died about an hour and a half later in the hospital. Um, Did they uh, do the game, continue the game? The game was just about over and they did complete the game. Wow. So yeah, and it, I I would not agree with that, but yeah, that's, you know that's I'm not a player, I guess, but uh, the the sense I got was that the coaches uh, when they said you know shake it off and give me you know get your head in the game in five minutes let's get this done I it's a different time and sensibility now. And I was just amazed that they're on the phone. I saw, you know, they were calling people on cell phones to, I guess, New York or somewhere. And I was just amazed they didn't have kind of a, a, you know, you know, kind of a Ten Commandments. And that's one of them. That's how simple I would make it. You know, the only issue to me is uh, they need to get. What happens if there's an earthquake or something, or you know the stadium is un? Do you want to keep playing with the fans and and you know like in San Francisco or California? Would you want to keep the game going if there'd been an earthquake and and you know say it say it wasn't at the epicenter, but you know is something going to fall on the fans or on the players going into the locker room? I mean, I just I was not. I was as a as a fan. I wasn't pleased by the lack of uh, pre- preparation that the league did not show, and the players were just stunned. I mean, there's no way they could have concentrated. I mean, on the game, how could you? No, and, you and that's that's when it gets dangerous for the players when their yeah. mind isn't on the game and. You know, I, I have a feeling the way it plays out, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but this is from everything that I've pieced together. I think the local NFL officials running the game yeah. have very limited authority of what they can authorize. So when things happened on the field, it was just like a, a normal long break in the game due to either weather delay or you know, lightning, you know, some, a player yeah. that had to be carried off the field. And, you know, there's sometimes that that takes a while. If it's cert- past a certain amount of time, and I think it's 20 minutes, they have this five minute. Okay. You got five minutes to warm up. And, and I think that was the reflex action. 
I don't think that the local folks have the authority to cancel anything. And, yeah. you know, well, I think they, that needs to be changed. Well, I, I can understand why it isn't, because you want that decision. You want the ultimate decision of pulling the plug has mm-hmm. to come, whether we like it or not, has to come in conjunction with your television partners, because your television partners, it's an important part of the game is making money. You, you hate to say that, but it is. And but but at the end of the day, they got it right. And one thing that they don't, one thing that is procedure though, is if the game is going to be canceled because of whatever reason. And the last time I think this happened was a power outage where they couldn't get power back. But they didn't. They slow walked the information because they didn't want a mad rush to the exits by everybody. So in this case, they weren't going to announce anything having to do with the game until that ambulance was out of the neighborhood. You know, they Mm -hmm. did not want a clog of people coming out of the stadium and affecting Mm -hmm. the the ambulance Mm -hmm. getting to, you know, Mm -hmm. to the hospital. So I can understand why they slow walked the decision. Mm -hmm. But if anybody in their right mind thought that those players were ready to go back and should be playing again, that needs to be examined. But, you know, the league and ESPN are having sort of a little back and forth. Troy Vincent from the league says that we never gave a five-minute, you know, warm-up time. Yet ESPN doubled down on it that they were in the year of of the producers and therefore in the year of of Joe Buck, the play-by-play announcer, saying that, hey, they're warming up in five minutes. And, you know... Yeah, it's possible Joe Burrow just started throwing a football because that's a nervous reaction. He just he's nervous. He's he's all pent up and he needs to do something. I think we've all done that in the past where we started throwing a ball, you know, yeah. to 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 alleviate the stress. And you know, so I think I I think there's some story there. I don't think the league ever authorized going back. But I'm sure a league official, like one of the officials on the field, because it's their job to keep things orderly, probably said, "Hey guys, let's warm up. We're gonna we're gonna try to restart this thing in about five minutes." And, and I think that's where the word came from and got up to the ESPN guys. So it's possible in this case that both sides are right that NFL never gave authorization to play again, but on the same token that you know. It, at the end of the day, the only thing good is we seem to be getting some good information from the hospital. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Professor, be, we're not going to go deep into stats today here on the Data okay. Lab, uh, but I did want to ask you just one simple question. Where do we learn from the efficiency stats this year? I thought it was a very interesting new statistic that I had not seen much of before. What did we learn from efficiency stats that we can apply and apply better in the next season? Uh, I enjoyed seeing kind of a three-week window of declining or improving teams. I like that. I love the home and away splits. I'm not sure I got a full handle on the running, passing, red zone efficiency yet. I, I, 
that may be too uh, uh, narrow, maybe, but I did like the overall flavor that I was able to apply. And of course, that was only because I got deep enough into the season to even think about doing something like that. I mean, it's just like the daps that they get better each week, you know. And so I think the efficiency to me, I felt like I really was getting a flavor of the of the teams and where they were in kind of a not a weekly but like a three weeks uh slice so uh that's what i learned was i want to continue using that i don't know if i want to get too deep into it yet because i don't know uh you know, we just just be inventing something, and okay, how can I use it? So I've got to think about, uh, you know, that. But I know it helped me on the deeper flex decision. So right now, I think I learned that it's probably beneficial for deep flex leagues and decisions as a potential tie-breaking stat. I believe I can say that now. I don't know how critical it was to streaming, but I do like the idea of the streaming quarterback tied in that I was using in some of my leagues this year. So I'm thinking there's application there, but I I have not, you know, looked at it and and uh, I've got to check my diary. And I think it was so new, I don't even know if I, you know, I kept track of all that in my reports, and they're up. If anybody wants to see the metrics, they can go back in our, uh, you know, I'm not going to hide it. You know, we're, you know, you can look at everything that I put up, my weekly data from week one to Week 17 is all there on the science of fantasy football, uh, com, And certainly we talked about it on our podcast. You could go back and review the data lab and what we were saying and whatnot and, and see if it, it helped you. Go back and look and look at your diary and compare it to what I would say. If you didn't use efficiency, what if you'd used it? Would that have helped you? you know, that, that this year or, you know, get ready for next year. Let's see what we can do to maybe expand it or whatnot. So I'm thinking right now, deep flex decisions and uh, tweaking my streaming decisions of quarterbacks. I know with Jared Goff, I was on him and off him, depending on whether he was at home. I think before it became – kind of a thing it, it, at some point it reached that uh, level that everybody was talking but they were just talking the quarterback and my efficiency is more than that it's measuring more than certainly the quarterback but then there's you know rushing is part of it and and passing so there's more to it 
than that. But everybody was kind of just boxing it in as the quarterback. And I think my efficiency metric was measuring. It was more robust than I think uh, a lot of the experts were were talking about the home field. And he wasn't the only one, but that was the one that was just so uh, extreme that uh, I was able to jump on and jump off him with other streaming choices. So streaming and deep flex decisions right now, I'm thinking that's what I'll uh, uh, certainly use it next year, but I may expand that. And, you know, with beta tests, you know, we're, you know, we can change, right? Science can change. It's not in stone. Yeah. and, And here's what I learned from all of the efficiency data myself is I always knew there were these home away differences on, on players and teams, but I was surprised on the tendencies between run and pass. I did not expect to see that big of a difference between the running and passing game home and away with so many teams. And it wasn't all teams in a positive way. We saw some teams like, Kansas City Chiefs were better on the road. So you see weird things when you break data down, and sometimes you have to take a look at it. You have to understand what this data is trying to tell you. And it isn't always apparent, and it isn't always automatic. It sometimes takes a season or two of utilizing a particular data stream to understand just how valuable that is. For instance, with my weekly values that have been very good in the drafting stage of teams, you know, I've been doing this now. I've been using it at some level for six years, but I've been almost exclusively using it for the last three years. It took me three seasons of drafting to understand how to use that data. This year, we added games above median to the mix on what we were using. For, for making selections in drafts, and it was incredibly successful, especially in best ball teams. So those are things that we learned this year that we can study in the offseason and then apply mm-hmm. even more next year. But if you're not tracking the data, you're not keeping your diary, you're not keeping an idea on the success and failure rate of new things you try, then you're mm-hmm. not going to succeed because you're just always going to be guessing uh, versus if you if you do the data studies and you do the the studies on how to use this data you will have a learning curve that will accelerate quickly and uh you know for the data lab when you listen i, I urge everybody in this off season coming up i know super bowl and everything's still happening but e- even if you don't feel that you're, uh, you know, just so super able to deal with data, you should just try one or two things, just a little mini project. And part of that probably is uh, get get right with Excel. Learn a spreadsheet. You know, it might help you in finding jobs down the road or, you know, just another skill and it will make you feel good 
when you could start pulling your own data and looking at it. And there are plenty of books that I know are out there, videos that are free. There's a lot of free, you know, on how to do various things in Excel. And I think early in the preseason for 2023, you are to spend, uh, you know, some time just, you know, learning Excel and then figuring a way to copy data from wherever, you know, if you uh, get uh, data from various sites, there's free sites, there's pay sites, how to copy that data or how to manipulate that data, uh, get your project, you know, uh, just start studying something, passing, I don't know, whatever it is, just do a little project. Go back and review what Dennis and I've done about consistency. He's got his process articles are up, and you can see what he was thinking. His better than zero drafting, that article is up. You can look and see what he was thinking. See if you can mimic some of that. See if it makes sense to you. Maybe you can do it better than us. Uh, we would appreciate, again, uh a 10% tithe <laughs> if we help you win next year. Okay. You know, uh, you know, Dennis and I, we're poor folks and we need little, little seed money for our leagues that we're going to do in 2023. We would appreciate anything we did this season. We'll take a tithe. Uh, feel free to hit, hit us on Twitter. We will definitely accept those, uh, uh, private messages. We will not uh, ignore you if you've got a tithe, uh, you know, Patreon or or PayPal or something. We'll we'll be your PayPal. You can pay us, and you could you know that guilt. Boy, those guys work really hard, and I took advantage. And if you're feeling that guilt, feel free. Maybe you know donate to uh, the uh, Buffalo Bills his toy fund. But a little bit, throw our way, you know, and we promise you we'll we'll use that to become better and you could benefit more and more. We'll just start building it up. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure here on the Data Lab each and every week, Professor. We're not going to go away in the offseason, but we're no, going to take no. a couple of weeks away to get the research done. But then oh, we yeah. will be back with some offseason versions of the data lab to share the information with you. And then as we get closer to the start of the drafting season, we'll be back each and every week here at For Frequency's Sake. I want to thank everybody at For Frequency's Sake for inviting us along for the ride here for the 2022 season. It's been a great pleasure. Professor, as always, great job here on the data lab. Okay, folks, let's get to work. If you're still in the week 18 playoffs and by the way i do not that is not professor approved or science of fantasy football approved or dennis approved we don't like week 18 playoffs so get out of those leagues for next year